I grew up thinking, because I excel so much at these things, if I rest, then I'm not doing my community, I'm not doing them the service of bringing them up to my level. dive in here folks welcome back to live learn repeat uh, a podcast by learning forte we're excited to to dive into this second episode as we talk a little bit about embodied spirituality uh so again um you have myself greg sarah hannah stacy and nia welcome back we're here we're all here should i wave <laughs> yeah. you can wave should we can we say our names so that listeners know who's who yeah we should yeah. Okay, well, my <laughs> my name is Nia, with an N, like the day of Kwanzaa. Oh, that was awesome description. Um, this is Stacy. I'm Sarah Lawing. <laughs> this is Hannah. And I'm Greg. So again, like I said, welcome back um, to Live, Learn, Repeat. Uh, and I'm uh, I was thinking I was gonna uh, potentially light a candle for this episode, but then I went upstairs and forgot to get a lighter uh, for the candle that I was gonna light. Since we talked so yeah. much about the wick of curiosity, um, Greg, what's up with that candle thing? I don't know uh, because that's the title of the next episode too. So I'm really kind of concerned. <laughs> about the themes for our episodes because this title is embodied spirituality versus burning the candle at both ends um so we'll see what happens uh when we talk about this this topic so um it is what it is wait for it that's a cliche oh my pitch. gosh no i okay. you know um i'll just put it in the pipeline <laughs> next time we talk about this episode another one <laughs> Like I just want to cruise. remind. I just, I just am like realizing how appropriate your T-shirt was in the trailer episode when you're like dad and jokes, and this is where I like I live, and now we're yeah. all going to be um, subject to this in this podcast. You are completely, <laughs> completely, uh, and I, I can wear the my favorite uh, T-shirt says "Dad jokes are how I roll." That was also given to me, so I think. Uh, dad jokes are probably, in my opinion, like the greatest form of kitsch that there is. Um, I mean, yeah. It's out there. Okay. And maybe that's like, isn't that interesting to think about how we embody kitsch? Kitsch isn't always external. Maybe that's a piece of this embodied spirituality. Like, how do we embody kitsch in our actions? It's fascinating. So let's talk about <laughs> this the first time around here. Um, this The title of this episode has to do with, again, like burning the candle at both ends. And uh, as we think about how the pandemic forced uh, a lot of redefinitions about the workplace environment or even just how we work or how much we work, um, a big piece of it has to do with uh, even where people are working, uh, especially remotely. You can kind of work anywhere or hybrid. Um Nia, I remember we talked a lot about how, like, you even recently made a move and mm -hmm. you were able to move pretty much anywhere you wanted to because of your job being remote. Uh, just really unique as we think about it. So when we think about this burning the candle at both ends in work, how has uh, this evolved for you over the last several years? So what this question brought up for me um, immediately was thinking about burnout, which it was like so heavily layered over my life in the past several years and not 
the answer to this question isn't about the active state of burnout, but the fact that what what scares me the most about burnout when you know burning the candle from from both ends from all sides is that for me there's nothing that really indicates that I'm out of burnout that it's done or leaving or kind of tapering off and and the fulfillment is returning um particularly because of how hard I have pushed recently to embody spirituality for myself. And we talk about respecting limitations and practicing rest, practicing Sabbath. And I I have felt as if I have gone so much out, like I have cast so far out from where I was to gain those things, which look like me saying to to this company, hey, I need a day where I can't talk to you. I need to be quiet. I need to not speak physically. And I need that form of rest. And I'm going to block my calendar so that, you know, after a certain number of meetings, I'm also not being called in on the spot and whatever. And that that is restorative. And it still doesn't say, oh, okay, your burnout is over. Like, how far must you go? And the answer is really far, which feels kind of counterintuitive to the concept of like, not being selfish, but separating the spirituality from the selfishness has been like, quite the experience. Yeah, I think it takes our bodies a long time to readjust. And it's like, my body's always playing catch up. Mm. And also the memory of what it feels like to burn the candle at both ends is like lives inside my body Mm. (laughs) from before the pandemic. And I remember what it feels like. And sometimes that familiarity can be mistaken with like uh, achievement or with, you know, something positive, but it's not long before I remember that, oh, this is what overworking feels like again. So to me, this burning the candle at both ends, and I'm I'm a big component that um, embodies spirituality has a lot to do with boundaries. And a, a candle, of course, is not meant to burn at both ends. And it's your job to protect the bottom of your candle so no one lights it on fire. And so... Um, wow you know, you, no one is going to protect that candle for you. You have to do it yourself. You have to figure out what that looks like. And you get to decide whether, oh, well, maybe this week, yeah, maybe I do work an extra four hours or, you know, whatever. I take a meeting in the car, but you get to decide that because you're protecting the bottom of your candle. And what that has looked like to me is that I work in one stationary place. I have a desk in my garage storage office, and I do not do any work that when I am not sitting at my desk. Rarely do I ever take calls in the car, um, and I don't work on my cell phone at all. And so my kids know, and my husband knows, and I know when I am sitting at my desk, I am working. And when I am not sitting at my desk, I am not working. 
And that is like a definitive boundary that I have found that I've had to live into, but that seems to work really well for me. Hannah, I love what you just said there about how, like, <laughs> not letting someone burn your bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let anybody comes, do that. When it comes to your candle. <laughs> but I do think about, like, I mean, I'm holding, again, what is it with you and candles, right? They got me through the pandemic. I have my nice vanilla bourbon candle here. But it's in a container. Like, you, you can't, can't even burn access the bottom. bottom. You can't even access the bottom. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. about that, like, what you just said. <laughs> That is an, uh, the nice thing about some of those candles is that, like, you are in control of where it gets lit, when it gets lit. And a lot of times, like, especially in hybrid work, um, while there is the benefit that we have now of being able to shut down and, like, when I shut down from Learning Forte, like, it's not a physical space. But there is the, the challenge that we are a remote company, so you can literally always work. So there is a need in hybrid leadership and hybrid work, especially linked to this embodied spirituality, to create the right containers for the way that you work or even – and that container being like a physical space. Like I'm in in the basement right now in a little workspace I created um, during the pandemic so that I could do just like you said since. So nobody could light my bottom, if you will, uh, and that I could have that embodied spirituality. That's really unique that you said that. It's also really important to say that if part of the season is to let people learn a little bit about Learning Forte, like one of the things Learning Forte is about is creating the environments that we wanted for ministry and didn't find in other traditional ministry environments. Yes. So like, like that is a really important piece of the story and that, you know, no one, no one should ever think that Stacey Williams Duncan knows how to do embodied spirituality and therefore created a company with that as its value. What Mm -hmm. I know is that I don't do this naturally, that this is the antithesis of how, if I am left to my own devices, would engage the world. Because I'm a passionate person who has ADD, who can get into focus with multiple things and sees a ton of potential in the world and wants to be about building the reign of God in this world. And so I find it natural to burn the candle at both ends. Hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm the CEO and founder of this startup and I work a third time as a rector of a small congregation. Like my life is sort of built to burn the candle at both ends. And yet I know that that's not when I am most co-creative with God. And so I need this value to be prescriptive. And so I think, you know, a piece of what it means to unpack that is also for us to um, be honest about we've all been in parts of our lives where we had no control over this. And we also have all been in parts of our lives where there were such amazing, passionate things happening that we might choose to not completely have our life integrated in ways that it's most helpful, but we still need this value out there to call us back. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, Stacey, you said that it was not intuitive to you. Our team... Um, holds each other accountable that we are following this value. And I think that's a huge piece of it. Um, And being on a team with this shared value is that we help each other be like, oh, no, no, no. You you said that you were off that day. You are, I am not going to invite you to this. Or, you know, however we can help each other be accountable 
um, to really protect that space so that we can go out and live our hybrid lives outside of learning forte and um, be creative in other ways. So I think that one of the things I'm really unlearning and one of the things as a parish priest and pastor is that like, I would teach Sabbath and tell people how important it was to have their Sunday as a Sabbath, but that was my work day. And I think in some ways that's like, act, this value is helping me actively unlearn that even in the learning forte context is where are, where am I embodying and manifesting this? And I'll be real honest that I, you know, like I've been formed as a, as a ordained person since I was in my twenties. And this is probably one of the places in which in my ordained life, I've experienced the least alignment with all these values. I think I want to say I feel compelled to add a caveat here, which is that we are all afforded a certain amount of privilege to create our containers and to have control over certain aspects of our life. And when you aren't in a place mm -hmm. of safety or a place of um, stability, you are more likely to burn the candle at birth at both ends and because you may not be in a container so again mm -hmm. no one can see us but we were all nodding our heads <laughs> as sarah was yeah. saying that because <laughs> yeah. absolutely you're right. totally right can you unpack that a little bit more what you mean by that sarah though because i think we all do kind of understand what you mean there but i would love for you to nuance that a little bit more especially when we think about like our last value about curious engagement there's an element of a yeah. link that happens between these two yeah, I mean, I definitely, I, we got off that, that recording session and I found myself thinking about that very thing. I was walking around the block and going, man, I'm so lucky to be walking around the block. <clears throat> I was curious what the weather was like. So I went outside and put on my jacket and walked around my suburban neighborhood and looked at all the nice Halloween decorations and I thought, man, I like hit the jackpot. You know, and I did just think about like people who are, are not in that position, who are in, in areas experiencing war and terrorism in, you know, places where all the odds are stacked up against you, um, even in this country. So I guess that's kind of my attempt to unpack that a little bit. And I was recently listening to uh, a, a podcast by a, a well-known thought leader and some other business leaders, and they were talking about Sabbath in the corporate space. Absolutely. And it wasn't even – it wasn't with a religious context or connotation whatsoever. And I think it's important for us to see that in some, some ways the corporate spaces have learned from religious communities the value of Sabbath. But it's actually now, right now, where we are in the 21st century – a lot of religious leaders and all are happen to learn about this own religious practice 
in their work from corporate people who do it better. And, um, yeah. and as a part of that, I think what we see when we see the word Sabbath, we so often think of it in a particular container on a particular day with particular prescribed practices. And that's not actually what it's meant. Like Sabbath is about rest and renewal. It's not about recovery <laughs> per se from burnout. And that's really important to see. Um, how we can do that. But the very notion, Sarah, this comes into what you're saying. Sabbath is a concept that came out of an ex an oppressed people. Mm -hmm. Like they were mm -hmm. living in Sabbath in, in terms of like a biblical narrative framework was for an enslaved people that, right. that needed that. Like, right. so like it's, we, we turn it into a privilege, but really rest and recovery is about something that should be, be applicable to all people. Yeah. That's a human mm -hmm. right. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. And, and it comes out of this idea that we have limited capacity. Like that is, that is why Lent is my favorite liturgical season because I need to be reminded on a regular basis that I should just live into being human because that's what, where, what I am. And I think that this value is also about like honoring the humanness of each of us. And that we all do it differently, too. Like, what Nia needs for Sabbath is actually different than what I need for Sabbath. Um, and that's good. And that's what, I mean, I think that's one of the cool things about this team, is creating space for that. I've always wondered what it would be like to experience Sabbath or embody spirituality as an extrovert. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, like, do you just go out and, like, hang around people? You're like, I'm going to go rest. I'm going to go to a concert. That sounds like torture to me. That's what my husband's doing tonight. A family joke of ours um, has to do with my father, who um, we were talking about, because a lot of us at Learning Forte are baseball fans, for those of you that are listening. Uh, but I was at a family event recently where I was talking to, to my dad about how much I went to a baseball game once uh, on a work trip by myself. It was the weirdest thing. Like, never had done it before. I went by myself, and I loved it. And my dad, who is very much like me, uh, please cut that out, Nia. <laughs> no, I'm leaving it in. Uh, <laughs> but my father, who's very much like me, or I'm very much like my father, literally looked at me and says, oh, my gosh, next time you go to a baseball game alone, I'll go with you. <laughs> he, he couldn't imagine the fact that you went alone. And he wasn't kidding. Like, he was literally, like, he was talking about we should go to a baseball game alone together. And I was like, that's how extroverts practice solid, like solitude. They can't literally compute what it's like to be alone. I think it's hilarious that you asked that, Hannah, because I actually am not a true extrovert. Um, and so, like, we have to have an agreement now that I work at home. Um, Joel has a commute home. My husband is an extreme extrovert. or And... Um, he has a commute home about 30 minutes. And so when he gets in the door, he is ready to talk. <laughs> He's had 30 minutes of quiet in the car. And I, if I've had to time my job, like I have to time when I finish work so that I can end up with 30 minutes of quiet after I finish work. Otherwise I walk straight from my office into the other part of the house and he's ready to talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, I mean, my husband is a school teacher, so he talks for a living. He talks loud for a living. Your husband's awesome, by the way. I, he, Thank you. Yeah. I will pass that along. But he, there are times where I'm like, I'm sitting right next to you. 
Like, you do not need to yell at me. Because he teaches high school, so they're not listening to him anyway, and his normal volume is very loud. And, like, I, we're, we'd be sitting on the couch having a conversation. He's, like, yelling. Like, I'm sitting right here. So we did have one on-site gathering of some leaders of the, of the heads recently where we actually were at a baseball game together. And one of the favorite images I have is actually Hannah was sitting in between her husband and me. And the two of us were talking. <laughs> to each other. <laughs> to each other. Over me, which is fine. I'm fine if people talk around me. And also, I'm pretty sure Greg got invited to, like, be friends with the people who are next to us. You were, like, in full conversation. I'm like, those are strangers. Like, I don't know why are you talking What was the joke you had about uh, the formation gathering? You said that by the time uh, I left that conference, I was going to be the best man in, like, three different people's weddings. Yes. (laughs) Good God. You couldn't pay me. But for me, for me to be like in your wedding party, no. To to talk, you couldn't pay me to talk to people. I, I, that's it, actually. You can just full stop, full stop. Hey, hey, Nia. Yes. Do you remember? I remember one of the things when Nia had been working with us for a few months, and. I needed to take a phone call instead of a Zoom meeting. And we had this amazing conversation. Ugh. And I said, this was this amazing conversation. And Nia's like, I really don't mind phone calls because it means that I don't have to look at you too. Yeah, it, it is, it's like two forms. It's two forms of input, I guess, like processing wise. And then being trained as a musician and I like listen weirdly hard. And so it is, it's a lot. For those of you that are watching this podcast, so I just like, turned my camera a- off. so so like there are times now when i say to nia nia i need to talk to you about some big ideas some big ideas should we do do you want to do a phone call and and i am like it's just like yeah and and so it's like it's interesting that embodied spirituality isn't just for me about like our sabbath and our time off and managing our capacity it's also about like how we do input and so like nia if Nia, if I were thinking about, like, one of the ways we have found this really collaborative um, working environment has been to, like, move to the phone because it works better for you, but it also Mm. lets me move. Mm. And, like, as somebody with ADD, sometimes I just need to walk Mm. and move. And so that's been one of the things that I think we've lived into this value together and our Mm -hmm. work together. And I think, Nia, one of the things you did say, so first of all, let me read this. Uh, This is how we define embodied spirituality at Learning Forte. It's respecting capacity limitations and practicing Mm -hmm. Sabbath helps us thrive personally and professionally. And I think the best part of that uh, definition is actually us, the word us. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason why I say this is because, Nia, you mentioned something about how so often burning the candle at at both ends and protecting yourself from that – you use the word selfish. You were like almost like critiquing it. Um, and I think that's what it made me think that so often, again, people think of like honoring our, our, our capacity or honoring our boundaries or practicing Sabbath in our work um, is a selfish move, which is a very Western American thing mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that it does is it actually helps us to be more uh, connected to the community. Uh, when we honor our own capacity limitations, it allows us to be fully present with those when we are actually on and um, and vice versa. It gives per- people on our team permission to do the same. Um, and so I'm wondering if you can speak to that a little bit, Nia. Just it was interesting unpacking how Sabbath is misconstrued as selfish. Mm-hmm. Because so much 
of what I have observed in the world that I live in, which is Ohio America (laughs) culture, uh, is comparison. Um, And growing up, um, I was the smart kid compared to other kids who weren't as smart or who weren't as intuitive or who weren't as curious, etc. And and because of this comparative mindset where like you you know you give a whole grade these standardized tests and here are the kids who stand out and here are the kids who fail <laughs> because let's tell a bunch of third graders that they have failed to be good um and i grew up then thinking and experiencing oh i've got to because i excel so much at these things if i rest then i'm not doing my community of you know of classmates etc i'm not doing them the service of bringing them up to my level and you know like i was always the kid who who had a buddy at recess and who oh let's put this person to study with nia because nia's going to get it and nia's going to be able to explain it to them mm. and then growing up and seeing like hey that's that's so much of the experiences that i see of like you have the people who who quote unquote get it and then they can bring everybody else to that level because we have to excel we have to be better than somebody else and in that i started to view my own rest restoration sabbath self care and protection as selfish because if i'm not if i'm not a being the best which is a problem that i very much struggle with now is that when i'm not the best it freaks me out um so if i'm a not the best and b not bringing others with me then i'm not contributing to that betterment whatever that looks like mm. of the the community and the things and the practices that I am a part of. And so I am unlearning the the feeling of like taking away. I'm not taking anything from you if I ask you to respect me. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I think there's also this, this, a common misconception that if you're not constantly moving forward, you're losing ground, mm-hmm. right? So if you're not constantly doing something, you're not constantly creating or constantly developing or constantly learning or whatever, then somehow you're going to start to move backwards or lose ground when really you just rest. You just stop and pause. You're just staying still. You're just staying still. You're not rolling backwards, and um, it's that it's that pause and staying still that has really um, 
that people struggle to find value in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we admire the the hustle. The hustle. Yeah, the we admire. We're taught to admire the hustle because you're proving something. Just like Nia said, Brene Brown says it's the hustle for worthiness. Mm-hmm. Oof. Oof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, th- I think one of the things that I mean, we we talk, we we playfully push on kitsches, but there's a there's an element of kitsch that is is helpful because you retain it, right? Like you can retain the reference in a way that helps you and you folks will learn really quick that we do with a lot of folks at learning forte being so thoughtful and intelligent i think and gifted we also are able to translate things into kitsch really quickly and so um that that sticks with us in a positive sense and i love what you just said um hannah and i'd actually wanted to see if you could say it again about moving forward or not backward what was the line you use um Oh, geez. Um, that if... Buffering. If you're not moving forward, you're just standing still. You're not losing ground. Mm-hmm. Love that. That's brilliant. I love that. That's really a good line because it made me think of it, to, to use the language of our own value, is Sabbath is not a setback. That's right. Mm. Right? Like, it, it's it, it, it's sacred and all that. And, and, and when we get to a place, when we think about our last value, of, again, about curious engagement, I keep trying to tie the threads of our values because they're not siloed. No, not right? at all. But mm-hmm. uh, they're all connected. Is that when we don't honor Sabbath, it feels to me like we lose the value of curious engagement as well. So like Nia, thinking about how vulnerable you were, which, again, thank you for that, about your own narrative growing up. But when we don't value Sabbath, we can easily get trapped into thinking that we're the only ones that could solve this problem or be a support in the work towards the common good. Mm -hmm. But Sabbath allows us to say, you know what, actually, I'm out of capacity right now, but I'm going to ask the question, who else is capable of doing this? Sarah, can you take this on? Mm -hmm. Like, it it allows us to be connected to the community. And one thing that we haven't talked about yet is that um, in our commitment to embodied spirituality, Our company is closed for a couple times every year. And so then everyone on the team is experiencing Sabbath, right, in their own way. Um, But our company is closed, and we have a commitment to that. And so when I was thinking about this, the the phrase work hard, play hard, like, you know how that's like, oh, we work (laughs) hard, play hard. That seems like a college bro phrase. Um, So instead I thought, well, work hard, rest hard. Like, I'm all about being a turtle in my bed. That is how I rest. And so, like, I work really hard, and there are days when I don't leave my bed, and I'm just a turtle in my bed, and I rest really hard. <laughs> so, that. that's awesome. So, something we did was, you know, like, in this startup environment, and I can't, we can't ever pay people as much as I'd like to be able to, and, but um, I think it is one of the things that I've needed was like different kinds of time off. And so like the five weeks we're off and closed for our Sabbath weeks really are around times in which people would be with their families. And I see that as like, how do we help this work-life integration to be with your families? But then we have two weeks of paid time off every year, which is when I see that as being vacation. And then something that we started that Hannah was the first person to do, and I'm about to go on soon is we started having two weeks of sabbatical. And so after you've worked for Learning Forte for two years, you get two extra weeks of paid time off and you'll get it every two years. 
Um, and Hannah just took ours this summer, but really this articulation of those two weeks, which we push hard for people to combine with another week of paid time off and be away for at least three weeks, maybe four weeks. Those are really the time when I hope that you'll do something that helps restore you. Right. And Hannah, um, did some cool stuff of going and doing some youth ministry stuff in, you know, and some other things that she's done in her congregational piece. I'm doing some travel, which I haven't done for a while and some art stuff in the next few weeks. But I think that part of what this piece is too, is living as we've lived into this value more is to say, we need different kinds of time. And that's a piece of how we try to live this out is to say, sometimes we need that, Sabbath that is allows us to be with our families. Sometimes we need that time off that allows us to vacation. Um, and sometimes we need that time off that is really an intentional time to say, how am I going to be restorative? Um, so. And Stacey, you're, you're mentioning there, like a lot of folks um, and psychologists, what I will talk about the difference between active uh, rest and um, not necessarily passive rest, um, but sometimes people rest by doing something physical. Um, and sometimes people rest by sitting there reading poetry, um, which leads to uh, a question that, that we want to kind of play with here when it comes to embodied spirituality is what are some of the habits and practices, or we sometimes talk about the word intentions here that, uh, that you have set to leverage and spirit embodied spirituality in your own life. I was thinking about, um, how, with curious engagement, we, we talked about curiosity a lot, and then we, we looked at why is it important that we're tying this word engagement to it, and I think it's sort of the same thing, and I went through all of our values, and I think it's, it's the same for all. We've tied a descriptive or prescriptive, you know, active word to each, so it's not just spirituality. It's not spirituality in the sense of maybe what we think of you know, when you're part of a religious community, um, which in Christianity can often be very, a very heady experience, but this is an embodied, not that it was meant ever meant to be that way. I'm just saying in Western civilization, it has become that way. Um, and so the word embodied tying the word embodied to spirituality is really the thing that for me has been the most exciting part of this value because I did so much individual work prior to joining this company on like daily, weekly, you know, regular practices of walking, writing, things like that. Um, so that I could get out of my head and into my body. It just helps you process. So this is the one where I feel like I have been, um, way out of whack and it has not been descriptive of me for the last year, but um, I'm working really hard on it being prescriptive. And so I've been thinking about like, what are the things that I'm bringing back into my life that helped me do this? And one of the things that I do or I did, and I'm going to do, and I'm starting to do more of again is listen to entire albums. So I think in the streaming world, we lose this idea that, artists can put together an album that tells a whole narrative. And so like I had this discipline in the beginning of the pandemic of listening to entire albums from artists. And I would then start to filter with them back into like what were albums that held together in a way that 
I then wanted to listen to them again and again as a arc of a narrative. And so like, I'm really trying to re um, engage that and embrace that of like, how do I listen to a whole album? And you're making um, me and Nia so happy right now. Yeah. I know. And it's like, it's like, I'm not the musician, um, but I fell in love with albums again um, in that way because of that. That was how we, I have a band. This podcast community doesn't know that, but um, yeah, that's how, <laughs> that's how we structured our whole album and actually our whole like body of work is structured as a huge arc narrative arc. Yeah. Well, and I saw Ed Sharon at um, Jazz Fest in New Orleans this last spring, right after he'd released his last, you know, album in that series. And um, I thought, oh, wow, this is really incredible to think about what is the bigger body of work that we're doing. I think of one of one of the things that I that I've always loved um, for me. Um, I mean, everybody knows on our team that I particularly present as a fairly cliched, kitschy version of a, of a white cisgender male. I love sports. I love... Some may even say bro. Oh. <laughs> Some may. I mean, even, even the fact that, like, your wife has a cool job and you have four children that are yeah. spread out, like... We could go into the cliches for a long time. But I'm a snowflake, friends. I am a snowflake. I I agree. (laughs) I am a big old snowflake. And um, but the reason why I say that is for me, like one of the one of the habits that I have found really helpful for me is morning poetry. Um, I mean, every single day. Like Sarah, you alluded to this. A lot of us at Learning Forte have deconstructed from various uh, experiences with religious institutional religious experiences with spirituality um, that may have put pressure on the practice. Um, and mm-hmm. and so for me, one of the things I became very disciplined on is actually a reverse way of reading sacred scripture. I don't read it every day. I only read it on mm-hmm. Sundays. Uh, <laughs> so like it's been a way to do it every other day. I read poetry from external sources, from other sacred texts as a way to ground me <laughs> like in some sort of rhythm mm-hmm. and, and, and holistic like connection with the world at large. And it has been such a gift for me every single day. Cause then it also doesn't put pressure. It allows me to, to, to find connection and, and then to embody that in some way. I've really found a lot of the poetry then connects me to the land. And um, Hannah has a way better garden than I think anyone else on this screen. <laughs> and also her garden has chickens. Uh, clearly not ducks, as she said last episode. I know. But uh, one of the things that the, the a little small two by four garden has, or four by four garden, I have a few, a couple of those, has allowed me to embody some of the things I'm reflecting on in my poetry by caring for something that I really can't force to grow. Yeah. So uh, thanks for that call out, Greg. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yes, my... I confess that your garden's better <laughs> on a podcast. I get it. Except for my, you win this year's sunflowers, though. You do win this year's sunflowers. Um, yeah. So we have a pretty big yard, and during the pandemic, my husband and I built a patio, and um, we are always doing things and uh, DIYs, and um, that is part of our embodied spirituality is taking care of our home and taking care of it in a way that shows and um, promotes teamwork. And so whether it's a small DIY that we're doing or 
um, yard work. Um, I love. I do all of the yard work, and I love uh, to putter. And what I've discovered now that we're not in pandemic lockdown is that I have to schedule time to putter in the garden. Is that I will take a Saturday and block off four hours for myself where I am not going to soccer games and I'm not going to this and not going to that. And literally in my calendar, it says putter in garden. And to just go out and walk around and say, oh, I should pull that weed. Oh, I'll just do that now. Oh, I need to, you know, to just kind of wander and do whatever needs done in that moment. And um, that's part of, um, you know, our our embodied spirituality as a family is is promoting teamwork and working together and to take care of something that's bigger than ourselves, whether it's our animals or whether it's um, the earth in general and all of that inhabit it. sitting here listening to this conversation and I'm just wondering how important is this value of embodied spirituality because we're a woman-owned company and most of us are female professionals and does that intersect for anybody else with naming this as a value it does for me the a powerful image that it brought up for me just now is like mother like uh like Mother Mary and how she embodied the ultimate spirituality of giving birth to Jesus um, and of like Mother Earth and the whether it's cultural or natural uh, predisposition to care for things um, that we could probably debate that all day, but... Uh, yeah, I think there's something there. I think there's another layer to it in that um, we mentioned earlier, I think Greg mentioned it, that um, a fair number of us come from um, religious institutions. Like that was part of our journey working for religious institutions before we came here, whether it was in um, you know, a high-level presbytery level or congregational level. And um, a lot of that... Uh, support staff and formational staff is women-led. And um, I know that's been a a journey for a couple of us and figuring out um, and creating this new thing of what we wanted, what we were missing, and creating something new around that has a lot to do with it. Actually, what came to my mind, Stacey, as soon as you said that, actually is how... There's a queerness to our company mm. for embodied spirituality. Mm. It's not binary. That's right. Yeah. Like how how we embody our spirituality is all over the place um, as a yeah. company. And I think that's also what allows us to honor each other's capacity and then also to maintain curious engagement. And we mean queerness in all the sense, like yeah, queerness in terms of as a motif and a metaphor for our company. But we also have people that rec- reflect the spectrum in our leadership. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a really 
I would almost say that like what you said allows me to think of that even in a new way and saying that there's a queerness to the embodiment of our spirituality. Yeah. And I would, I would say that like, I think it's fascinating because in many ways I think that you've taught me so much about the disciplines of spiritual disciplines and that, that rest piece and that I probably am the one who struggles with that the most. Right. So like even that is not what you might expect. Um, Rest is resistance. That's right. Mm-hmm. Amen. I did not coin that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, um, as we kind of, kind of, the final thing we want to kind of think through here before we wrap up with some of our favorite parts, and that is talking about the rapid fire kitsch that's in our spaces. But what are some of the learnings, curiosities that you still have about this value? And I think, Stacey, even that question you just asked is one of them. Um, but are there any other? questions or curiosities that you still have about embodied spirituality we don't have to answer them just we can just name them yeah so my curiosity is um how do you know when it's no longer feeding you like how do you identify that a a practice is no longer feeding you spiritually but like before you get to burnout and then realize like oh yeah that must not have been working like how how do you identify? Because one thing that we know is that um, different practices have different seasons, right? And what works for you now maybe didn't work for you five years ago and won't work for you in five years. So, like, how can you identify when a practice has has come to the end of its season before you just, like, keep forcing it and then you end up in burnout and you've burned your bottom and you've burned your bottom? That's a good question. Yeah. That's a great question. <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I want to know, my curiosity is about how do you, how do we do this as individuals and as a team? And so like, because if, if we think everybody's got these cycles and different people need to step in and out at different points, how, and then how do the other members of the team step in? And so like, what, what's the rhythm between this as an individual value and as a team value and a company-wide value? I think, um, and I'm going to offer an answer to that. Um, one way I think we could do it is kind of how we've done with, uh, knowing you're getting ready to take your sabbatical, Stacy, is that we have planned accordingly. And that's one of the, um, worries that I've had about as I approach my two year anniversary and think about when I'm going to take sabbatical is that like we referred to this earlier, well, you know, who's going to do this work and to trust, uh, the team that it's going to get done. If I take three or four weeks off in the summer to be with my family, because that's, what's going to feed me, um, is to identify and have this team, name exactly how we're going to plan for that. The intention, right? Like, I mean, I'm thinking about one of the models, Sarah, that you and I have been talking about lately and and even renaming about planting your intentions. It seems like that's what you're talking about right there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Look at that. (laughs) Contextual reality. (laughs) I imagine possibilities. That's right. What's three? Uh, embody actions and then measure your growth. That's right. You got it. There you go. Nia, do you have one? Yeah. Um, I will say that my, um, 
my curiosity about embodied spirituality is is what it looks like to understand and recognize what no longer burning bottoms looks like feels like and i'll i'll say one of the things for me the question is is what does it mean to embody spirituality in tech um especially when there is a temptation to do all things keep up with all things innovate and iterate all the time post all the time yeah. so what does it mean to know capacity and embody spirituality in terms of the types of tools we even use and how we use them um in our communication efforts um that's something I think about. And I'm going to land here with the last thing. One of my favorite things before we get to the kitsch, um, one of my favorite things that we have said, and actually we have done this in kitsch, Stacy. We've done this and Sarah's through stickers. Um, and one of my favorite learning forte sticker is actually where it says on site or online. It's, it's all, all in, in person. person. <laughs> Bring it, land this plane, Greg. So here we go. What is this? Is our rapid fire? What is something kitschy you possess that reminds you of the value of embodied spirituality? Okay, I'm going first. Okay, my T-shirt for this episode says Earth Sandwich. It just is a reminder that like we're all one, but yet we're all on this Earth together. And sometimes it feels like we might be eating the Earth, but <laughs> we're all gonna take care of each other anyway. I need a that reminded me of like we're all in this together. What? It's from High School oh, Musical. Yeah. We were watching the Absolutely. other day. Can um, we not include that? Oh god, that's flashback. They can't see me <laughs> dancing, Greg. Remember, so it's fine. Um, so mine is we have um, three needlepoint prayers that people have done in needlepoint that are framed in different parts of our house. Those are ours. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Mine is um, Squishmallows. I love them. I love them so dearly. I love to hold them and hug them and rest upon them. Nice. So mine's not really kitsch, but I have dogs that do the most to help me like do the embodied spirituality. And I actually do have a piece of kitsch in that I have a stuffed dog that looks like our real dogs that like lives in my office and I can see from my desk. <laughs> That's awesome. My kitsch, you can't see it, right? This is uh, one of my favorite Banksy um, kind of graffiti pieces that uh, somebody uh, took and overlaid over top newsprint and then uh, used the phrase, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. Aww. Friends, no matter what's going on in the world, there's a lot of chaos, confusion, oppression. You may feel like you're a candle burning at both ends. No matter what is going on in your life, you can at least be kind. And uh, don't and let anyone burn your bottom. Don't let anyone be burn your bottom. Have a good one, friends. We'll see you in the next episode. <laughs> Bye. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for listening to Live, Learn, Repeat, a podcast hosted by Learning Forte's Stacey Williams-Duncan, Hannah Graham, Greg Klimovitz, Sarah Lawing, and Nia McKenney. Executive production of this podcast is by Greg Klimovitz. Our audio production team is Nia McKenney and Sarah Lawn. 
Help us grow our podcast learning community by leaving us a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and by sharing on your socials. If you'd like to learn more about Learning Forte and our various learning and leadership programs, consulting services, and digital platforms, check out our website at www.learningforte.com.